Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. You're listening to Arrival Audio, recorded live at Arrival Bangkok 2019 and distributed here by Tourpreneur. On this panel, you'll hear Arrival COO Bruce Rossard chat with CC Chan, CEO of Global Ticks, Daryl Fong, Executive Director of Aquaria KLCC, Baidi Lee, Regional Director APAC at TripAdvisor Experiences, and Fiona Sweetman, founder of Hidden Secrets Tours, talk about the rapidly shifting OTA landscape. Introduce my panel that we're going to have here on the topic of distribution. CC Chan, co-founder and CEO of Global Ticks. Daryl Fong, executive director of Aquaria KLCC. Baidi Lee, the regional director of APAC for TripAdvisor Experiences. And Fiona Sweetman, the founder and director from Hidden Secrets Tours in Australia. So we're going to jump right in and we're going to talk about distribution. Mm -hmm. And we have almost 50 distributors here in the room today with us. And there might be some others who are kind of operators, kind of distributors, so the number's probably higher. So we can show the slides that show who's here with us. You'll be able to see them here. Um, and my first question really is, what's the difference? Like, when you're an operator, how do you decide which distributors you want to work with? I want to start with an operator, so Fiona. <laughs> um, we've been running for 15 years, so I suppose we've seen people come in. But it was really very much knowing about what I could deliver and then working with the distributors that matched my needs. So that was really important for us, that I had to look at the TNCs. It's really easy. So many people ask us, ask any of our businesses to work with them. So you know, have to know what you can deliver and what you want from them. So it's not just about signing the paper, really, for me. It's about knowing what you get out of it and they want to take from you as well. So like, what kind of questions do you really dig into to figure out what you For me, it's it? about um, how quickly for an OTA for me, they're filling the spots that I can't fill myself because so many of we've seen is last minute booking. So uh, when is the cancellation time frame? What commission levels do they want? How do they communicate with guests and how do we get the information that they communicate? Um, what is the follow-up process or problem management? Because they are the face and most clients still think that they're the operator, funnily enough. They don't think that I'm the operator. So what are they re representing in market for me, my business, rather than how do I normally do it? And if they don't match, then it might not work for me. So, Daryl, you, you have a very different situation than Fiona. You can pretty much take as many guests as you like. 
at your the query. Area, yes. You have lots of inventory. And can we get the distributor slides up, please? So how do you, I mean, is there any reason you wouldn't work with every one of them? No, no reason at all. I mean, as much as possible, I'd love to work with everybody. Um, but what we've done is we've just let market forces determine who we end up working with the most. So the ones that provide the most value for us, the ones that are able to reach out to the largest audience, the ones that have the better system, those we, of course, end up working with, just purely because they have more volume or they have more interaction with us, or perhaps their teams or their industries are stronger. So for us, it's, it was quite a simple decision. Bring them all on. Bring them all, and you know, it's like a battle royale. Whichever one of you <laughs> fight it out and, and you know, survive. Do you have lots of meetings through. planned for the next couple of days? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> I have a few already planned, yes. And, yeah. and tech's really important that um, when I began, we had to make available 10 different calendars. Today, if you don't connect with my calendar management, then I, I can't work with you because my business touch point of each booking is the cost price for me. So if I have to touch a booking four or five times, that's not beneficial to me. So I need systems to talk to each other. So let's talk about that and talk about channel management, mm. CC. Why don't you tell us a little bit about channel management, since I think that's still something that a lot of people are not as familiar with. Good. Um, I think I, I agree with Daryl. I mean, if it's your attraction, you should work with as many people as possible. Um, for Fiona, I mean, you have a capacity, but you could grow your capacity as well, Absolutely. right? I think the problem with, with digitalizing and everything is that now we have OTAs, we, we have MyRail Treatment Courier, we have TripAdvisor Worldwide, we have Expedia, we have, we have everyone. So you need the tool. You actually need the tool to manage all these agents, right? So I think um, Asia, we have reached a point where, where we really need some form of tools to actually manage all your different agents, right? I mean, you might want to have different pricing for different people, a special promotional price for, for some of your good partners that can drive a certain market for you. So with tools, you are able to manage all these things, right? Without tools, it's, it's very hard. Without data, it's really very hard to, to so manage. So it's one of the tools, so for example, and, and Baidi, you can chime in, is if I do a lot of business with TripAdvisor and I have a, as an operator and I have a certain agreement with TripAdvisor, you can help me manage that versus an agreement with a different distributor? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think, how does that work for you as a TripAdvisor? Well, I guess um, nowadays we feel very lucky that we have all these OTAs out there. Um, you know, we have all these systems interconnected that make it so easy for operators to you know, decide who to work with, who to con uh, distribute the products to. Um, I guess I have a different opinion. Um, is that, um, I think Fiona mentioned earlier a um, little bit, um, really depends on what you're trying to achieve as a business. Then you can decide on who you want to work with. Uh, whether it's one OTA or everybody, all the OTAs, whether it's a local OTA which is focusing on one particular category, or, or um, you know, it might be a regional OTA which is um, you know, really bringing the customer you're looking for. For Fiona, for example, like she's um, operating uh, Melbourne Walking Tours, which is catering for the English market and the French market. You might, want, might not want to dispute to OTA which is focusing on the Asian market, which Essentially, it's not going to create a good uh, consumer experience for both of our uh, English speakers and also probably some Asian speakers. Yeah. So, yeah. Can I just jump in to, to answer the earlier question? What is a distributor and what is a channel manager? And many times people are very confused with it, right? So what, what is a distributor? Distributor, probably you sell to a travel, travel agent A who then subsequently sells it to many other agents, right? 
and you do not have the numbers, you do not know who the travel agent A sells it to. That's a distributor. And what is a channel manager? A channel manager, I think, is when you need to have transparency in your report. For example, if let's say Daryl uses a, a travel a channel manager and a TripAdvisor uses this channel manager to, to make the bookings, then Daryl should be able to see that, oh, TripAdvisor is selling 1,000 tickets a week, right? And if Daryl says, oh, I love TripAdvisor, it's doing such a fantastic job, I want to give a, a, a $1 for my attraction, <laughs> he should be able to set $1 for, for TripAdvisor to say, good, let's go for the Japan market, TripAdvisor, things like that. So that is the difference between a distributor and a channel manager. Right. Also in space where um, there are operators here, if you think you're in one market, you might only think you're in one market. So to have data, is so important. So we are an English-speaking product generally, Western market, but we are now getting people that through OTAs are not our traditional markets. They're finding us because they're using mobile apps and things. So the data to know where they've come from yeah. allows us to then go and decide to work with a more Asian-focused OTA. So it's not to say it's never possible for different businesses, but data helps you make those decisions, yep. and that's what OTAs can deliver, which we could never have 15 years ago. We just so you get the that. data, exactly you're not working with a channel manager, and you know, it's still a new concept. You're getting the data from the OTAs, from the distributors, Some of them, yeah. from your reservation technology, yep. all of the above? Yep, all of the above, and, and from our clients as well. So we get it in person as well as from the data from I think people. that's the value proposition many OTAs are bringing to the operators, that they have such rich data uh, in their consumer database that they will be able to tell you what our consumers are looking for, uh, what areas you can possibly develop some unique experiences for, you know, we'll never think about like some, for our TripAdvisor.jp point of sale, we're starting looking at uh, increasing demand from uh, Italian market, you know, uh, we will never know that until you actually start letting all these demands start coming in. And then we'll be able to give instructions and guidance to our operators and potentially can create tours just to meet that demand. Yeah. You know, just to have a look at the, what, what you're saying about channel management and then even what you're all saying about uh, reaching out with data and all that, for our business, because, I mean, you have a very personalized business. Each of your clients that come in, you need to attend to them and you, have, you give them a very special experience. For us, we are walk-through attractions, so thousands of people come through our aquarium and there's no way we can really track all of them. And that's where we have the OTAs to tell us exactly where they're coming from. And the data, I think we discussed it before, is so important because you can really see an increase in your bottom line if you can properly utilize that data. But for us, it lies with the OTAs. So when they come to us with this data, then we can action it because our technologies are not at that stage where I can canvas all these people. Hmm. And as for channel management, it's actually more of a cost benefit thing for us. Mm. If I were to use a channel manager like yourself, if I were to bring on board this technology, the cost of integration and maintaining that technology as well as the training probably doesn't equal to, in Asia, the cost of hiring two to three account managers to handle it for me. Mm. That's a good you know, point. And then that's, yeah. that's, so I think that's more the barrier. So for, uh, for myself as a supplier's perspective, it's more of a, you know, what makes my life easier, what impacts my bottom line more. So the OTAs, I view them almost as my marketing partners. So rather than pay, I'm sorry, Google, rather than pay Google, rather than pay um, you know, a, a magazine or an ad agency, I just, give the, um, I just give my margins to Kluke, for example, or you know, Be My Guest or Traveloka, and they do that for me. 
and I get data from them. I get support, and they're a real partner in that sense. So for us, it's So we could talk about this for the rest of the day, but let's move to our next question. And I'm, I'm going to fast forward to uh, the Google search that we had talked about, if we can see that, since you brought that up, Daryl. So um, uh -huh. if I go to Google and I search for Fiona's company of hidden secrets, you know, what happens? Um, and this is very interesting. And what happens, I believe, I can't Thank see you. it. Thank you. <laughs> is TripAdvisor comes up. Essentially, that's why, I mean, a lot of operators asking why I'm paying high margins for OTAs. Well, we can tell you, we can uh, help you to run SEM much more efficiently and um, then you can focus on your tours and services and deliver wonderful memorable experience for the consumers. And what do you think about that, Fiona? I mean, this is your brand name, Hidden Secrets Tours, yeah. that I'm searching for and I come to TripAdvisor. So SEO on any brand is really difficult. Um, we're one of 65 operators in Melbourne, so Hidden Secrets Tours is wording that's quite difficult to win SEO on anyway, but to have it targeted into a tour and travel experience market, I pay a commission, that's what I do, and it is a marketing element, but it's also brand recognition that if I am with an OTA that is well respected, that's not a bad thing. So it's better than me being listed in some odd listing that I didn't plan myself to be. So I, I, that's, again, my decision-making about which OTAs I might work with. This will be relevant to um, the ISP here. It might be different in a different region. So being careful about where my brand is seen is really important to me. So you hey, Bruce, I'm oh, sorry. I just want to jump in uh, because I've yeah. just noticed on the right-hand side of that screen, there's a little button there that says buy tickets in the business listing there. So are you selling tickets on Google? Who's, are you aware of that? How's that, yeah. how's that yeah. working? Yeah. Can you explain how, what's going on there? As far as I know, it's a link to my booking through the Google listing that we have. Let's click it. And, and it, it, it is enormous. It's, yeah. It's powered by TripAdvisor. <laughs> <laughs> So we're not, but it's let, great. We can watch it, what's going on there. But I think, so what you've said is you've made a conscious business decision to pay TripAdvisor a commission instead of paying Google an AdWords spend. Yeah. Yeah? And Daryl, you would do the same thing. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> but it takes a remember, lot of um, AdWords spend is sort of like putting a shotgun in the air, really. I pay money to TripAdvisor on a booking that comes to me. I don't pay for anything until the booking happens. AdWords is out into the ether that I actually don't know what will happen. So the, the end result for me is quite different. I work with travel agents. We pay for brochure contribution. That's money that I have no idea where it goes, and I pay commission. Yeah. So I balance my market across those. I just want to make sure that everyone heard that, what you said. So explain, just slow down on that point sure. about the brochures, what in the States I think we call co-op marketing, but yeah. explain what you're talking about. So I have three parts of my business, direct, travel agents, and OTAs. And in the travel agents in environment, we pay some agents to be listed in their brochure. And it's not a small amount of money. It's usually an annual brochure. We've listed, we're, we're a premium product in there but it's money on top of the commission that I pay them. And it's a shotgun attitude. We don't put ads in newspapers, same sort of thing. Whereas an OTA pays me 
when I get a booking or I pay them when I get a booking. So it's not shotgun, it's targeted, it's direct. And they spend all the money on the SEO to get that rather than me spending it on Google AdWords. Okay, great. So let's go to the topic that uh, Wilfred and Douglas were talking about just a few minutes ago related to discounting and the pricing pressure, especially here in Asia, there's so much pricing pressure. Um, how do you guys look at that? I mean, there's so many intermediaries that are well-funded. There's different levels of intermediaries here where there's one operator who's working with an operator who's working with a DMC. So how do you look at all of this pricing pressure from your perspective? Uh, CC, can you start on that? When it comes to pricing, I think there are a lot of uh, players out there who's going on a discount and a deep discount and things like that. i give a quick example, and I, and I agree with what a lot of <laughs> your views are. There's this big attraction in Singapore and uh, went on to say that I want direct sales and what they did was they tried to reduce all the travel agents and all the OTAs and things like that. But what they realized is that their direct sales indeed grew, but it cannot mitigate the drop in the rest of the OTAs and the travel agents. So to me, what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is please do not underestimate what the OTAs and what the travel agents out there can do for you. Right? Because their reach is much wider. They understand the customers better. So, so the way to do it is it's not just about direct sales or distribution. It's about balancing, right? And, and of course, if you sell through OTAs and things like that, then uh, there's a discount and a deep discount, right? Uh, as a channel manager, I work with many, many travel agents out there. There are some good <laughs> ones like TripAdvisor. You see everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who really work with their operators and there are some naughty ones out there, right? So, but everyone here is a great one, so we, we get that. <laughs> um, but let's talk about discounting. And you know, we talked about rate parity yesterday. Yes. Um, and I think rate parity is a really important concept, especially as it's going on here in Asia. Um, can you define rate parity and how you see it here? Uh, Baidi, do you want to take that one on first? In, in Asia, uh, they kind of work differently for a lot of attractions. So two operators, they use the minimum setting rate in, instead of, uh, you know, things such as retail rate or net rate we've been talking about in other parts of the world. Um, for us, um, I mean, the rates or pricing discount been mentioned a lot um, by our operators, but uh, there's even more um, talks about how to increase my bookings rather than uh, just talk about discounting. The fact that we have our marketplace platform and then we have all the tools that were empowering the suppliers to manage their rates, manage both their net rate and their retail rate. So they have the autonomy to control their rates. I'm sure Fiona can yeah. second that. Um, and for us, um, it's more about giving uh, suppliers the, the say in how they want to manage their rates, whether it's through a OTA like us, whether it's through someone else. Um, so I think all the OTAs out here needs to respect uh, the suppliers, um, needs to respect their rate parity and all their guidelines, um, because ultimately, without a bookable experience, bookable supply online, we don't have a business. So that's just my view, and we're very much interested in running a sustainable business than getting into a price war. But Daryl, with you having unlimited inventory, you run into rate parity issues, right? You have different channels selling at different rates, and how do you control that? The, the simplest thing is we don't. We just control it based on what we sell to the OTAs. At the end of the day, uh, I appreciate that the OTAs are bringing in a wide range of people to come to our aquarium. They have, like you've mentioned, a reach and an understanding of the consumer yep. that I may not have. 
But if I'm having issues in terms of their price parities, well, I just raise the margins. I just ensure that you know, that is the amount that I'm willing to take a profit or take a hit on. And it's up to the OTAs whether they're going to take a profit from that as well. I see them as my partners in that sense. Do you set a so. minimum selling price? We have a recommended minimum selling price. Recommended minimum selling price. Whether you follow it or not, it's none of my business. You're, so you're not worried about it. So we don't have a recommended minimum. You don't have a recommended minimum. No, we have a retail selling price. Retail price, that's yep. it. But and that's, what, that's how we deliver it. But your it channels too. can sell for whatever they want. They can sell it for whatever they want. They will earn the commission that I will offer and agree to. Um, if they go below, then I'm probably not going to have my product listed very long because that's the reputation that I do not want. We are known as a non-discounting business. Yeah. I also believe, though, that if we don't lead consumers down a line that you are a respectable and quality product, that you are teaching them that they are allowed to ask for discounts all the time. And we run businesses. We're here to pay people and our staff. So to work with businesses that undercut your margin in your business, I think is really scary. But I work in Australia. It's, it's not the same as this market. So habits, we need to train people rather than allow businesses to say, well, customers will only pay for this. If customers will only pay for that because you've told them, yeah. how will they know how to respect what they should be paying? I work in an industry that's, that's where there's really free good, tours. That's a really good point. There's free tours yeah. in this world. How do you get respect for the business if it's a free tour? It's not free, they pay a tip. But, Sometimes you know. we're actually asking the operators to increase their uh, retail price. Um, so that we're both running a profitable business. You know, you have enough margin for, to pay for OTAs, enough margin to keep for your staff, you pay your operations and overhead. You I know, think one of the biggest things in this industry, I mean, I was very well looked after. Most tour operators are not told to build commission in before they even start. I, we had a price point that had no commission in it because I didn't know what it was. To build it in before you even speak to anybody is so important and I just don't think tour operators are exposed to that information. So that's a really important point for some of the companies that are newer in the yeah. industry. Yeah. Always think that you're going to be paying commission and build that into your price and it's a fairly significant commission and yeah. build it in and make sure you can still have a viable, sustainable company. Yeah. I think we have a question, have a question on the floor. floor here. Mark Taylor from uh, Luna Park in Sydney. Um, it's interesting, I was um, installed as tourism manager a couple of years ago to try to bring more international tourism to Luna Park. We're very much a domestic uh, focused park in the past. One of the challenges is the, I guess, the inability to ring fence um, pricing by region. Um, as more OTAs move in, from uh, other regions and expand. Uh, given the power of uh, Google search, you can find rates that previously you perhaps you didn't have access to as an Australian consumer. So while I'm trying to attract Australian, uh, sorry, uh, international tourists, and as Daryl said, I'm not too concerned uh, on, on the minimum selling price, perhaps overseas, because I want to see more visitors, it does potentially affect our own retail rate um, in Australia. So any comments, I guess, on perhaps how to work with that? I would, yeah. yeah, I would like to take that. I, I think it's a very interesting point. I mean, we talk about distributions here, and we talk about OTAs, and, and seriously, OTA is not the entire universe, right? 50% or even more than 50% of the traditional agents are still pro, pro, producing huge numbers out there, right? And, and 
there are thousands and thousands and mom and pop shop or, or big traditional agents like Hana Tour, JTB, they're still providing a lot of uh, uh, people and numbers uh, to the attractions, right? So it's not just OTAs. Yes, OTAs are having huge growth, but the traditional agents still play a huge part in, in the distribution. So coming back to the question about when you want to say that I want to grow my Australia traffic, I want to grow, grow. Because of digitalization, it is very hard to manage your pricing in one geographical country, right? Uh, E-tickets that you're supposed to be meant for Australian could be easily goes to somewhere in China, could be easy to go somewhere in India. So, so what I always recommend my attractions or, or operators to do is that price differential must come with different products. For example, let's say you're Universal Studio and you want to target your end consumer, shopping end consumer for Vietnam at a very low end price, I would say, why don't you start with just, you are only able to come in from 4 p.m. onwards. So you need to actually price your product to differentiate your product and not, not by different countries. It, it, does, it just simply doesn't work anymore. You can't I, would say, I would argue that actually we're yeah. just ignoring a very key factor here in a lot of what we're talking about, and that is our attractions are very regionally based. It's based on the locality. It's not yeah. even like countries. It's even like different cities. So if we talk about Bangkok, for starters, mm. um, using an OTA is very simple and very easy, whether it's transportation or what have you. But if you go out further so to Phuket, it becomes much harder. Yeah. You know, you have communities that resist this kind of uh, OTAs or, or grab or any kind of thing coming in. They, they still believe in the, like you're saying, mom and pop stores. Mm. Bruce, so one I more question. Yeah. Thing, you know? Well, we're almost out of time, so I'm going to have to hold on that because we only have less than a minute and I have a lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one word mm. and you each get one sentence, no more than one sentence based on one word. And we'll start at Fiona and come down to CC. Okay. Yeah. Google. Works for me. Works for you. Yeah. We're all Heidi. in this together. Sorry? We're all in this together. We're all in this together. A starting point. A starting point. Digital transformation. Digital transformation. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our panel. Give it up for CC Chan, Daryl Fung. Lady Lee and Fiona Sweetman. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this session from Arrival, the only event dedicated to creators and sellers of tours, activities, and attractions. Head to arrivalevent.com to register for upcoming conferences around the globe. And for insights into the in-destination industry, head to arrival.travel.